the UC Climate Solutions Channel, an online hub for the latest research and best practices from the University of California to address the impacts of climate change. See how you can help at uctv.tv slash climate solutions. All right, well, I'd like to thank everybody for the opportunity to speak today. I'm Skip Pomeroy from UC San Diego. And um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the, the algae-based surfboard we're making. There's the crew from the... Uh, San Diego Science Festival, we had 25,000 people come by. And so part of the story I want to tell is, I think, how do you reach other people with stuff that I think all of us in this room think is important, but how do you get everybody else engaged? I'm the member of, of two different uh, big science centers on campus. One is the NSF Center for Chemical Innovation, the aerosol impacts on climate and the environment. Another one is CalCab, the California Center for Algae Biotechnology. And these two centers clearly are related to, to climate change and the environment. And in my climate champions uh, output here. We're working to make nice small instruments based on Arduinos and Raspberry Pis that can go out into the environment and sort of spur on the idea of scientific inquiry. When you're looking at the next generation science standards, it's all about inqu inquiry-based science, except for very few of the teachers are trained that way and very few of the labs have enough materials to do that kind of stuff. So that's one aspect of this. So you're looking at a particle counter here. We've got a brown particle counter and a, and a pH meter here that... Uh, works off of your Bluetooth from your cell phone. Um, what I want to spend today talking about, though, is, 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 making a, is making a sustainable surfboard. And so in case we're, we're looking at aerosols, right, and mostly it's try to figure out, you know, cloud composition and see what, that, what effects those things have on, on, on rain and where it falls and, and the, the energy balance in the atmosphere. And for CalCab, Right. One of the things we do a lot is these student-based projects, and so one of them was up shown here is our algae biofuel, where we made a one barrel for Baja. The goal was to make 35 gallons of algae-based biofuel to put in a diesel motorcycle to run in the Baja 500. Right? And once again, you, know, you get people excited about doing something that looks more relevant than if you just say, oh, I made some biofuel in the lab. Um, so, you know, we actually run this thing, and you can actually have the land speed record, right, for, for a diesel motorcycle, which is not really all that frightening because diesel motorcycles don't go that fast. Okay. Now, th there's a series of three slides here that, I, you know, I always feel like I wanted to shout to everybody every time I, I talk to them. And we talk about climate change, and I'm not trying to minimize that. That's horribly important. But I never understand the idea that nobody gets the idea that the petroleum's going away. It really doesn't matter. In a weird sense, we're conducting this experiment, and if we all just argue until all the petroleum's gone, then over a course of a couple hundred years or a millennial or so, it'll take care of itself anyway. And so, you know, the question, when is the tipping point, is, is really only the thing that's up for debate to some degree, right? This petroleum is going to go away. Why do I worry about that? Is because if you overlay population over on top of fuel uh, that's been generated, you can see that they sit right on top of one another. And so clearly, if fuel starts to become in short supply, then clearly that's going to have some effect on human populations. And I think this slide, the, the next slide here, is even more to that effect. If you plot food prices and oil prices on one another, these are really highly correlated. So the idea that, that fuel right, uh, drives the way that our world works and our social well-being is really important. 
The problem is, is that when you have fuel that's now down at $30 a barrel, right, you can't really get the biofuel industry going anyplace, whether you're based looking at ethanol, cellulosic, or, or biofuels from algae. You know, when this was trading up around $120 a barrel, this is fungible. But when it's down at $30 and $40 a barrel, it's not. And so the question then becomes, you know, on this, this curve here that was predicted, it's actually stayed pretty much true to form. And so for the next year or so. We don't expect to see any real change in, in the oil prices, which then just stops. We were talking at lunch about venture capitalism. There's not a big environment for a lot of venture capitalism in, in biofuels when petroleum is trading at $40 a barrel. So the question is, now what? Right? You know, we've, we've sort of got this infrastructure and we're interested in these things. And so here I've just pulled up. People have been doing this stuff, making renewable polymers for a long time, and they're, they're out there. And so our goal was to look and say, okay, if we can't make fuel fungible, can we do something else of higher value with this stuff? And so some of it's making proteins for food. Some of it's making drugs and other things for, for food and for, for medicines. But we're looking at something saying, okay, but I need to go scale up some, right? Not just little stuff for, for, for drugs and medicine, but to look at something a little bigger. And so we're looking at the polymer industry for polyols in particular. So what we want to do is say, okay, can we take, when we go to grow all this algae, can we find a way to make something of higher value, maybe not as much as a, as a protein, but make something of an intermediate value so that we can also go to scale, right? Because if we can't go to scale, we're never going to be able to figure out what the real costs are for our, our endeavors in this. So we're going to start off with the oils that we had from before. And in these oils, there are these functional groups, these double bonds in here, which we can modify. And so if we modify these things, we can take this algae oil, right? This is just a plain old triglyceride. And we can then modify them so that they can be used in polyurethanes, polyolefins, poly, you know, amides, nylon, polyesters. And so the real trick is, can we take these things and make them into something that works? Um, one of those problems that you come across is the issue of what's called a drop-in fuel, right? So that worked for biodiesel, but on the polymer thing, when you go to make a polyol, you can chemically make this compound here, and it is indeed a polyol, and you can calculate a hydroxyl number associated with this thing, but you can't take the formulations and drop them right into the polymer industry, okay? The polymer industry is really built around the petroleum industry, and so stuff that was distilled out that didn't go into a gas tank, they found another way to turn it into the kind of monomers that they delivered for the petroleum industry, I mean from the petroleum industry to the polymer industry. If you don't change the toolbox, then there's no way to change the way things work. Okay? And so for what we're finding in for these biopolymers, you can't just drop them into existing formulations. And when you start to talk to people like at BASF or Cargill, they're going to ask you how many millions of tons do you want to buy, not how small, you know, they're looking at that kind of scale in a market. So small things don't really matter to them in any way. So we, we're, trying, we're basing our ideas off the idea that we're going to work out the chemistry and try to find all the unique small molecules. There is way more diversity in biopolymers than there are in petroleum polymers, actually. So... Where did we want to head first? Right? So we sort of looked at this from a market point of view of saying, which group of consumers would be the most interested in actually paying the money for these things? And so we targeted the outdoor 
uh, sports industry. And in particular, the, the beauty of a surfboard, which is what we're going to talk about here in a minute, is that surfers are already pretty environmentally friendly people, and they always had this one problem of they're riding around on a piece of petroleum that lasts forever in the landfill, right? So while they're, they're, they want to be conservationists, they're actually doing something that's counterintuitive in that regard. Um, what we've made is a foam that's biodegradable, but you also have to, admit the have to hit the performance criterion. They want foam that's very hard, really lightweight, right? Got small cell size so you can shape it down really finely. So for us, this created a challenge chemically. Could we make something and tailor it to this industry that everybody would be happy about? The other part that we thought that was important about a surfboard is, is that most of the cost in a surfboard is in the manual labor that it takes to shape this thing. And so if you doubled the cost of the foam itself, it would go from maybe $10 to $20, but that would only be 10 extra dollars in the cost of a surfboard that usually will run somewhere around $500. So we felt that this was a good thing for the consumer point of view, that they'd buy in for that, for that small amount of money. So we've uh, partnered with uh, Arctic Foam, and we've started a company, Algenesis, where we've turned these algae, polyol, algae oils into these polyols, which we made into polyurethane, and put them into surfboards, right? We've got uh, one on display outside you can see. Uh, that we've had it on display at the boardroom. It's won awards for its sustainability. Um, we're up at uh, something like 36% of the replacement of the polyols in the surfboard. Um, as soon as you're at 8% total renewable, the government claims that that's a renewable material, so we're over that. But that's also something you have to think about. But we're also, we believe that in doing this, we've figured out what tools we need, and our goal is to make a completely sustainable surfboard. Now, why is this a climate champion argument? Well, clearly there's the carbon neutrality that's associated with this. Polyols require less uh, energy to produce. They produce less CO2 in their production. But it's also a platform for talking to people about this kind of idea, where I'm always puzzled, doesn't everybody know the oil's going away, right? But as long as it's $30 a barrel, no one ever acts like the oil's going away. And so, to me, this is an opportunity for the platform for consumer education. Okay, and so that's really where we want to try to outreach people, talk to them about polymers. And, you know, what I always find interesting is all the different ways you manufacture the same set of chemicals into lots of different products. So the squishy foam that would be in a mattress and the hard foams or the cases on the jewel cases for a, for a CD player, these are all basically the same monomers. It's about pro process is what makes them all very different. So with that, I'd like to thank you for your, for your time. Over here, we've got all the people that work in the lab to try to make the, uh, the polyols. Over here, we've got the group of people from Arctic Foam and all the fund managers who do all the great work of keeping me in, out of trouble with my financial support, right, which comes from the Department of Chemistry and the Climate Action Champion and uh, Food and Fuel for the 21st Century. And what you see here is at the San Diego Smartest City uh, premiere from the National Geographic thing. We presented uh, algae-based surfboards to, to the mayor, and this is Rob Machado, a professional surfer. And what was interesting about these things is no sooner as we, we got them, they were supposed to go around the world and tour where this was opening, and then it gets to the Japan Airlines, and he took it. And every time we make these boards, they disappear, right? <laughs> And, and so I think there's, there, there's, there's some value in these things. Uh, people start to find them as a, as a real novelty thing. Everybody seems to want to take a picture with them. And by the way, during the poster session, we brought a surfboard down. So if you want to come and take a selfie, you're more than welcome to.